Welcome, everyone, once again. This is Inside LAFC. I am Max. Pleasure to be with you. Never a dull moment with LAFC, even though we're here at the end of January. And we now know the MLS season, according to the league, will start the weekend of April 3rd and 4th. Did I get those? Yeah, April 3rd and 4th. This is pending on the uh, the CBA deal, which uh, uh, they're starting to ratify here. And we'll get to some of those details here. Um, last season's agreement was never ratified. So the season was set to start in March. It will start in April. And the whole schedule will be released here pretty soon. Uh, maybe I should just talk on that really quickly while I have you. The league is the MLS players did have the MLS players union did have a offer proposal sent back. The league is committed to paying the players 100% of their salaries this year on the return of a two-year extension of, of the collective bargaining agreement, which will take you through 2022. Just for information, after 2022, uh, the, the new media rights package, the new partners will uh, be pursued or, or will be confirmed by Major League Soccer. And I think some of the players are wondering what's happening that year to see where the league goes, because that's a big year for the league. 2023, where things will change a fair bit on the way we see it, who's broadcasting it, et cetera, et cetera. But we will clear that hurdle when we get there. We're going to have a, a closer look at the MLS Super Draft. I just love saying that. This is the MLS Super Draft. I worked on a bunch of them. They used to have it at the uh, at the convention, the uh, soccer convention. It was in Philadelphia or Baltimore. And I remember the big year when Freddie Adu got drafted. I was going bananas. Oh, what's... But it's been it's been a good uh, it's been a good arm for the league to create talent. Maybe not so much for LAFC right now. That could change. Other clubs depend on it in a huge way, and they've they've developed a lot of success as a result. So we'll be joined by Eli Lesser. Many of you know Eli. He's a, a season ticket holder. He is a supporter for LAFC. He's at the games. He's also part of 110 Football that does a lot of great content in and around LAFC. And he also has his Instagram program this week in MLS, which is timely. It's got, hey, it's got more, uh, it does better than my Instagram. So he's been doing it at a young age. He's, he's still in college and he's looking to do more content and he knows the college game inside and out. So it was a no brainer. We brought him in here. We want to do more stuff with 110 Football. And Eli will talk about the college game and Daniel Trejo, our first round draft pick and where he fits in. We are all pulling for him. He is a wonderful young man with an incredible story and more, more so than anything else. He scores a lot of goals. He did so in high school and college. And now we hope he can do it on the professional ranks, whether it's at LAFC or somewhere else, but because uh, these are, he's a local kid and we want them to do well. Some news to pass on to you with regards to, LAFC, and again, so much is happening on a regular basis. Uh, this is, uh, you know, off seasons in Major League Soccer used to come and go, and you really didn't pay much attention, but you have to. Every day, some, something's breaking on LAFC. That's why you got to make sure you stay on the website, stay on the social media handles, listen to Inside LAFC, listen to other podcasts uh, of our supporters that will talk about this uh, at some extent. Jesus Murillo, permanent transfer from Independiente de Medellin. He uh, everyone kind of fell in love with Murillo because he's just a bull in defense. He was kind of like the exact guy we needed. Started nine games down the season. He made the CONCACAF Champions League team of the tournament. And now you can lock him in on a back four that you would like to project would look like Chiqui Palacios. Jesus Murillo, 
this is just me saying it. We don't know what happens in the uh, in the preseason. Jesus Murillo, Eddie Segura, and Kim Moon Hwan, the new signing who you would like to see think you would like to think will slot into right back, which was a position by committee last year for LAFC. But Tristan Blackman needs a place. He's he's doing wonderfully. And while I, I mentioned Tristan Blackman, we should say that he was with the U.S. men's national team in Florida. There is a game on the 31st against Trinidad and Tobago. He had to come back to L.A. He left the camp after a concussion during training. He is now back in Los Angeles. Uh, by the way, that game is going to be on the 31st of January in Orlando, the same stadium where LAFC played the CONCACAF Champions League, 4 p.m. our time on FS1 Unimas and Tu DN. Check it out. The U.S. is a fun watch these days. You won't see Tristan, but you might see some other guys that could feature uh, on the U.S. team as they prepare for a very busy summer in, with the Gold Cup, with World Cup qualifying after that, with the Nations League, hopefully the Olympics, although it's hard to be too optimistic based on some of the stuff we're hearing from Japan. So we we go through those things, and the back line now with Jesus Murillo looks pretty firm. Big news from the league, MLS season to begin the weekend of April 3rd and 4th. There will be 34 matches. Uh, decision day will be November the 7th. Playoffs will begin November the 19th. MLS Cup will be December the 11th. There will be a lot of international breaks, uh, whether MLS has them or not, but there's going to be a lot of guys leaving here. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a stop and start season, but it, it's good that it happened on April 3rd and 4th. We we're all waiting to see for it was going to start in March. April 3rd and 4th is a good time to start because you, you give at least a chance to ramp up things with vaccines and see if you can get a little closer to possibly having fans. Don't forget you have the all-star game still on tap for the summer to be played at Bank of California, to be played, we should say to be played in Los Angeles against the Liga MX All-Stars. But that's something you have to kind of wait and see how it plays out. And time buys you some uh, ability to, to get closer to being able to hold these events without too many complications. So you have, you have all that. They're going to have the Campeones Cup. They're going to have the Leagues Cup. The MLS preseason will begin February 22nd. Uh, hopes to have the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, that is certainly on, that's, that's on the list of things to do. There's a situation with the Canadian clubs that has to be resolved. Again, time helps uh, get you closer to that target. And there will be a, a rivalry week, rivalry week, August 22nd. Austin FC set to join the league. They will be in the Western Conference. There will be 13 teams in the West, 14 teams in the East. Nashville never went made it to the West. They were supposed to be in the West for a year. They never made it. There will be an Eastern Conference team. 27 teams in total. We talked about some of the situation with the CBA, so we won't bog too much on that. Uh, and... We, we, we turn our, our, our attention to the MLS Super Draft, which was held last Friday. LAFC picking Daniel Trejo in the 14th pick, CC Uche, the 41st pick, and Alvaro Quesada in the 68th selection. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say. Uh, two more things. The LAFC also picked up a homegrown goalkeeper, Tomas Romero, from the Philadelphia Union, obviously a guy for the future. He's an El Salvadorian youth international. So I, I love it when you, you know, we saw uh, the reaction Fito had when he came here. The El Salvadorian community is significant in Los Angeles and having an El Salvadorian is good news, but this is a guy that they like a lot. And 
would like to develop to see if he could be a number one in the not too distant future. And a shout out to our guys at LAFC Gaming, the release of the Fortnite skins, which uh, apparently are, are doing wonderfully and getting a lot of attention to people to come into the LAFC gaming ranks. Remy Martin, our guy. We're going to have Remy on here as well, maybe next week to talk about LAFC gaming. He has a big date coming up. But without further ado, we're going to take a little pause. And when we return, Eli Lesser of 110 Football and This Week in MLS to really break into the MLS Super Draft and tell you why it's much more important than you might think. This is Inside LAFC. We are back here with Inside LAFC, and we are talking MLS Super Draft. And to help me with that, we welcome in Eli Lesser, who you will know from this week in MLS, which does great numbers on Instagram. I check in as much as I get. He's When there's a breaking story, it seems to break there right at the beginning. He also is part of the 110 football crew, which we people with LAFC know very well. And more than anything, Eli, you're always there at the games, and I know you miss it as much as as all of us. But uh, welcome! Thank you so much for having me. Uh, when I heard MLS Super Draft talk, I got very excited. My favorite subject to talk about, honestly, and a subject that I think needs to be talked about more. Why is that? Because it's the best thing ever. It's what <laughs> makes MLS um still soccer, but also Americanized. I like the little bit of the like American touches to the game here. And I love the NBA draft, the NFL draft. So I love the MLS draft as well. I like seeing college players um, live their dream and get that. I mean, if you're a college player, you want to hear your name pick. And just in any type of sport, hearing your name pick means so much to someone. So I love that moment for them. And I love keeping track of the players throughout their careers in MLS. The draft is as good as the players that are in it. And I think there was a couple lean years where you say, wow, these players aren't going to MLS rosters. But that's, if you look closer, that's changed a fair bit. They've had some bumper drafts, which we will talk in. But let's, you know what, let's talk about you first, Eli, because you are in a, a, a remarkable young man. You're going to Newhouse uh, School at Syracuse, which is well regarded as the best uh, communications, uh, on-air broadcasting uh, school of learning in this country and you still work with MLS and now you're going there. So you're, how, how old are you? I'm 20 years old. And when did you get started? Do, when did you know this was something you're doing? And when did you start doing things like this week in MLS uh, that, that further emphasized that this was the, the path you wanted to take? So I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster when I was little. Um, and in 2014, I went to a sports broadcasting camp for the first time. And back then, I loved soccer and I loved basketball, but baseball was my main sport. Huge Dodger fan. And I go to the camp first day wearing a Dodger hat and a gray hoodie. I look at everyone around me. Everyone is wearing a Dodger hat and a gray hoodie. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool, but also kind of weird. And throughout that week, I realized no one else was talking about soccer but me. So then that Mark. next year, I came back to that camp and I just started this week in MLS at age uh, 14, heading into 15. Um, so 2015, I started this week in MLS. I had no idea what it would come to. And that's where I'm at now on Instagram. It's amazing that you made that observation so quickly because uh, I tell, I got into uh, soccer a long time ago. We won't get into the years, Eli. Uh, <laughs> but it was, no one wanted to really do that. That was, you know, it wasn't really something you would go say, oh, I want to be soccer. But that's changed a big way. And I think there was a time where, 
we gave soccer jobs to people that didn't quite hit what they wanted to do in baseball or other sports. And it's, it works, but deep down inside, you want someone with a passion who's come out uh, at watch soccer on a regular basis, 13, 14 years old, like you were and want to do it. So it was good that you made that pivot, but that is the number one thing that is going to let people inherit the space is that soccer is the number one uh, passion sport. I went to, uh, when I worked at ESPN, it was, uh, it was, I always wanted to do soccer. So I got the soccer uh, gigs a little bit more frequently. If I said, I want to do baseball or basketball, it's like, get in line, pal. But how, I mean, that's, how do you, how did you develop that passion for the sport where you said, okay, I'm re- not only can I, I want to do this, but I'm ready for it as well. Well, it really started with the teams we had in LA at the time. The, the galaxy who we don't really talk about here. And then also we could talk about them. I mean, it's, it's imp- I mean, I think it's important to say that, you know, that with look without the galaxy, everything doesn't really happen in LA for a thing. I worked for the galaxy as well too, but it's something that kind of opened the door for LAFC. No, exactly. And going to those games, I saw the passion of the fans. It's something that you could only maybe get at a college game. Um, I, you don't see it at any other professional sport. And it just intrigued me so much to see how much passion there was and to see the potential growth in the league from that. That's what intrigued me because I wanted to be a part of the growth and grow with the league at the same time. Did you watch any like UCLA or something? Because that was a big college sports. I mean, even Daniel Trejo went to Cal State Northridge. There's a lot of programs here that do very well. So you can answer that. What did you watch there college-wise? But what did you watch like on TV? I mean, what what was available to you that got you put the hook in a little further for this sport? Um, definitely anytime there was an MLS match on ESPN, by the way, I started with MLS, um, which is different, um, from many other soccer fans. My first soccer experiences were all MLS, um, specifically David Beckham for sure. When he came to the galaxy, cause I'd heard of that name. I didn't really know. I knew who man United was and all that. But when I heard David Beckham came to the galaxy, I was like very interested in like watching my grandpa who was a big European soccer fan wanted to watch the galaxy matches because David Beckham was playing there. So that's kind of how I got into the sport really. Watching games with your granddad. Yeah. Um, galaxy games. I hate to admit that on an LAFC show, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what really drew me into the sport. And I started uh, playing a lot of FIFA at the time to kind of learn the players names because FIFA, you, you, it has everyone and you start to kind of know what they're good at, but then watching FIFA games, playing FIFA games, and then actually watching them play in real life, you kind of pick up on exactly what's going on. And that's what really got me into the sport and kind of got me obsessed with it. I think that's an undiscovered country for us, the way we cover the sport. There's so many people playing FIFA that don't really watch the game, but it's, it's an entry point. So I think we've got to do a little more data on that and see where it goes. But that's, it's great to hear Eli about MLS was your foundation because I think that's what major league soccer wants. They want people to come in when they're teenagers and let that be their soccer experience and grow into it. And hopefully you are part of a generation that's doing, I, I feel confident that is the case because it's great to have a team that you support over in Europe. You know, I, I love my West Ham. I'll watch Inter Milan, but to have a team close by makes a big difference. You can go to these games. You can do these things. You can experience it firsthand. So it is a, it's, it's important for that generation to start to take a, a bigger role in how we consume this sport. Let, let's talk draft. 
Yes. So um, first Super Draft was in 2000. The biggest draft, there was a college draft from 96 to 99. They put Super. I know I'm not crazy about it, but it's fine. It's kind of grown into it for me. The big draft certainly was 2004 when Freddie Adu was picked. By and large, especially the early picks you see guys that are no longer in the league or guys who barely play. Some guys like Steve Shack, who was one of those early, who played, didn't never, never got into the league. And it shows you the difference between, I guess, the scouting and the, a, the talent pool as well and then and Major League Soccer. But that has been changing. And there are drafts that we'll get into that have built clubs. And there's it's one of many different ways to to build your club, to, to get talent. You can go out like uh, LAFC has done and scout South America and it's done them very well. You could do that in Europe. You can do that in Central America, but you have this in your backyard and it's a resource that they could do. So LAFC did get, the big one was Tristan Blackman, who has uh, now been called into the U.S. national team. He's been called back, but there's, it's an apparatus where I think they could still get a lot of talent. So how have you seen the growth of the draft uh, since you have been watching? And where do you think it's improved and become something that we have to pay attention to on a regular basis? Uh, the one observation I could really make, I, I don't necessarily think the draft has um, improved in terms of its value to teams. It might have decreased. However, there are a few clubs every year that actually emphasize the draft. And when they do, they found out that they are building their roster out of that draft. You look at Minnesota in 2018, three of their current starters today were drafted in one single draft. Hassani Dotson, Chase Gasper, who's going to be in the U.S. men's national team, Dane St. Clair of Minnesota, uh, the goalkeeper. Those are cores that you are building straight from the draft. The New England Revolution, basically their entire lineup, aside from Bo, Heal, and Buxa, have been players out of the draft. And some of them, like, really, really recent with Henry Kessler, a rookie last year, who immediately became, like, a top 10 center back in MLS right out of the draft from Virginia. Orlando City SC, they nailed it with Daryl DK last year, who is going to be a U.S. men's national team striker. I have no doubts about that in my mind. He came from the draft. And also just in general, some of the best homegrown players from the past few years, they weren't just from the academy. They went through the NCAA. You look at guys like Jordan Morris from Stanford, the Seattle guy. He is now at Swansea. Um, Mark McKenzie, the Philadelphia Union defender who they just sold to Belgium, he came from Wake Forest. So like you're getting great players from the NCAA, from the draft, from from signing and homegrown, there's just a number of stars that you could get in the draft and a bunch of starters as well. Let's go through that. because I, I, I was thinking, man, and look, I don't pay as much attention as I'd, I'd like to, but uh, that's probably going to change. It's like, let's see. I was preparing for this podcast. So let's see what the draft has produced talent wise. And we, I landed on 2017 and I talked to you off the air. Best draft ever. And just going over these early picks, it's pretty remarkable. Number two pick, Miles Robinson to Atlanta, who may start for the men's national team on the 31st on that friendly they have against Trinidad and Tobago. Number three, Jonathan Lewis, who's been with New York City FC and Colorado. He's in the USA mix. Number four, Jeremy Ebobasi, who has been an LAFC killer the past couple of years. A guy also with a, a big uh, international uh, hopes. Number five, Lalas Abubakar, really good center back in this league. Now with he's with Colorado, he was with Columbus. Yeah. And then number six, Jackson Yule, who could be, again, a guy who plays for the national team. I love, they call him the San Jose Pirlo. That's the kind of talent he is. But that is, that's the kind of draft that just stops you in your tracks, right? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty much the entire top 10 are quality, quality starters in MLS and players that could go to Europe. Uh, Jeremy Abobasi was one that really stuck out or stuck out there just because of what he's brought to the Portland Timbers and what he can bring to the national team as well. I mean, when he is on top of his game, he is a dangerous attacker for the Timbers. And then a year later, Tristan was picked number three. Jean Matini was number one. He's still with Orlando. Chris Mueller was picked number six. He's with Orlando. And then you mentioned some of the guys in Minnesota in 2019. The proof is there. When we look at it, I want to talk about this year's draft, and we'll talk about our picks a little bit. But how do you see the college game? This was a tough year, as it was for so many sports with COVID. A lot of leagues or conferences didn't really play or didn't play a full docket of games. So college is college game is always brought into discussion for the development of us players because it's a short season and what's the best pathway but when i heard those conversations a couple of years ago i i felt it was going to take a hit and the drafts have not uh it's actually the drafts have been better the last few years than they were in the middle of this decade or 2013 14 and 15 so when you see the where the college soccer will where, what role it will play in the development of players and certainly for the development of guys to come into Major League Soccer. How are you seeing that from your eyes for someone who watches a fair bit of it? Yeah, I mean, I could tell or I understand what the critiques of the college game are saying because the college style of play is far different from Major League Soccer. Very few teams in college play with like a professional tactical system. Um, Wake Forest is a great example of that. Um, but... NCAA will always be a successful path to the pro. And I don't think there is a correct path to the pro. It's different for every single case. There are late bloomers. There are guys who maybe didn't get signed by their academy team originally, but then went to college and then kicked ass and then re-signed with that team. Reggie Cannon is a great example of that. As he was with the Dallas Academy, he didn't get a first team uh, contract. He spent a season at UCLA, then went and signed a homegrown with FC Dallas. And you know, he is a top right back for the USM MNT now. Um, so there's always those late bloomers there. And then also there's a lot of international players that maybe didn't have that success um, with their academies, let's say in England, but they want to have that second chance and they come to America and they join an NCAA team. A player like that would be Jack Harrison, um, who was selected with the first overall pick in the 2016 draft. And we know him now as a starter for Leeds United. It's just crazy how that all works. There's always going to be an option in NCAA for players to make it to the pro as long as people put emphasis on it and still like give it the time of day. That's all the draft needs. If the teams give it the time of day, the players will be great for them. And if it's a pathway to a professional contract and you've used so many examples of it, Given the Jordan Morris situation, he went to college, he wanted to go to Stanford, and this could be a game changer because he goes to Swansea at the age of, no, at 26, you don't sign guys or you don't go after guys at 26 because it's a loan deal. So there's less of a hit, but if he does well, it could go permanent. That's a, that's a unique circumstance, certainly, that you would hope creates a pathway for other guys that you can Look, you always are on the clock. You're always on the clock. You want to start your career as soon as possible. European, if you're good enough, European teams are looking at you when you're 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age. But 
if you could score goals and get developed and hope, I mean, this is what makes the Jordan Morris situation so uh, interesting is if he can go and produce it, you know, people may look at things a little differently and they, they, and they're already casting their eyes to the United States. So maybe that opens a few more doors. No, absolutely. And there's also the players that like, maybe they're not ready for MLS right when they get drafted, but in a couple years down the line, after spending a couple seasons in the USL, they become great products in MLS. Uh, an LAFC example would be Danny Musovsky. A couple years ago, he was drafted by San Jose. He was in the USL for a couple years, comes to LAFC in 2020, and is one of the top goal scorers for the club. Aaron Long is a great example. He was drafted as a midfielder, developed in the USL as a center back, and is now arguably a starter for the national team. So there's definitely different types of paths for these draftees and these NCAA players. And and you're right, like if they're able to score goals, they're going to be able to score goals at any level. I have no doubt about that. And they could develop into great MLS players, get sold to European teams. And I'd argue that like a lot of times it's better to sign a cheap player from the draft than spend big bucks on a player in South America. I mean, LAFC is, uh, is an example of where, yeah, you got to sign the young South Americans. But I have a, I have a stat for you here. Hey, different, it's different strokes for different folks in this league. That's the way it is. I mean, they're very hit or miss. I mean, yeah. yes, the draft picks are hit or miss, but also the South American signings are hit or miss. I have a stat here. Would you rather have a player across two seasons score 10 goals and have 26 assists or eight goals and six assists? Is this a compare and contrast of players? You're going to, yeah. uh, it's 10 goals and 26 assists over two seasons. And what was the and other one? Eight goals and six assists over two seasons. All right. <laughs> I'll take the 10 and 26. Who, who, who hit the 10 and 26? Julian Gressel for Atlanta United and the eight and six was Ezekiel Barco. Julian Gressel ah. was taken out of the draft. Barco, Atlanta dropped 15 million for. The American kids are, are pushing the envelope. Real quickly, just to circle back, you mentioned the international players that come through the U.S. collegiate system. And the first pick was Danny Pereira, who went to Austin. So he's from Venezuela. Did he grow up here? Or, or maybe a better question is how many guys not American kind of go through the university system and end up getting drafted? I mean, a lot of the, the top players out of this year's draft were internationals, and they do unfortunately take up international spots. Philip Mayaka is from Kenya, and he will take an international spot, but he is definitely worth it. Calvin Harris is also, I believe, not from here. I think he's English. And then uh, Luther Archimede out of Syracuse. He's a Guadalupin international, a senior international already. Um, there's a number of great players, but yes, they take up an international spot, but at the same time, like these are guys that are, first of all, very cheap to sign overall. Yes, they'll take that spot, but they're worth it in my opinion, um, but they're going to produce eventually or right away. It's a uh, Calvin Harris is going to be a fun guy to call just because oh, yeah. of he has the same name as super DJ, but you know, even with LAFC, uh, Peter Lee Vassell was Jamaican. They picked him. And I forgot the name of the goalkeeper who was Brazilian from Marshall. They picked, they didn't, I mean, Peter Lee Vassell played a few games. The, the goalkeeper did not, but you can see the influence of the international players within the draft, which gives it a, a, a really interesting wrinkle. Let's talk about the draft picks for this year. Yes. And we'll go over quickly. Daniel Trejo picked 14th out of Cal State Northwich, 41st pick CC Uche, and 68th pick Alvaro Quesada. It's going to be a, a tough hill to climb for uh, CC and Alvaro for sure, but stranger things have happened in this league, and maybe they can get involved with the USL team and 
keep their uh, their hopes alive. Mark Segbers, who ended up on LAFC last year, didn't play, was a guy who did that. Got drafted, didn't work out, got to USL, and still has hopes of playing in Major League Soccer, and he caught the eye of LAFC. But focusing on Daniel Trejo, we had a chance to hear from him in his press gathering, and he was fantastic. His story's amazing. He would, uh, he would go out in the hot sun in the Central Valley and pick produce to make some extra money so he didn't have to ask his mother and father. He's just a hard worker. He's local, uh, uh, more from the Central Valley, but went to Cal State Northridge, and he scored a ton of goals. So what can you tell us about him that, uh, you know, everyone's pulling for him because of the name, because of the, the history. But what can you tell about it that would give him a real good shot of making this squad? First of all, it can't be understated how amazing his name is, especially for us at the 110 show, because we did a lot of Danny Trejo memes last year um, with our character, Uncle Jay, um, who has a thing against Danny Trejo. But Wait, Uncle Jay is not Danny Trejo? I thought they were the same person. <laughs> no, he's got a rivalry because of how much they look alike. Um, it, word on the street is that Danny Trejo uh, got some of his roles over Uncle Jay, which is wow. where he comes from. Scandal. Oh, yeah. But and they're gonna call that, him. They're gonna call him Little Machete if he makes oh, the squad. Yeah. If if it's okay with Daniel, of course. I hope he is. Um, but Danny's a great one because I actually have a lot of friends who grew up playing against him. Um, some goalkeepers who left their matches angry because Danny Trail would score hat tricks on him. Um, but Danny is a guy who will fit pretty well into Bob Bradley's system. He's just like the other LAFC attackers. He can outpace the guys with the ball at his feet, break through the lines. He has very good vision. Uh, the one critique that he has heading into here is he needs to work on his finishing a bit more. Yes, he scored a lot of goals, but will his finishing techniques translate to the Major League Soccer level? We're still going to have to wait and see that. I think a loan move to the USL to start out would be perfect for him so that he gets minutes immediately. And then come into LAFC eventually and be a Danny Musovsky type guy. And let's remember, it, it, we, we did get the notification for Major League Soccer with pending on the CBA that the season will start the weekend of April 3rd, 4th. And after that, this there's going to be a lot of games. So having extra bodies, extra guys who can score goals will be big. We'll see how it all plays out. But obviously keeping a guy close to the vest uh, like Treo would be, would be massive. Uh, it's also good. It's, and we talk about it a lot and LAFC has great local ties through the club, through the, the branding community, uh, through its partners, through the Academy, but on the first team doesn't really have it. And, and maybe this is something where a guy can start changing that a little bit because it's, you know, you're from a, whatever city you're from, you, you want to pull for guys from the same area and this could be an opportunity to do that adrian perez was here it didn't it didn't quite work out a guy who scored a lot of goals a guy that i think daniel Trejo could learn a few things from and and see how he did it and say how maybe if i could fine-tune this could be a, a better situation but being local you know you're here in la you're an la guy that's a that's a big plus for him and i know a lot of people are pulling for him in addition because of that oh yeah you can't not root for danny trejo even if it's just for the name I mean, you want to see the local guy succeed. And like a big thing about Major League Soccer that has me so interested is the fact that like I grew up with everyone playing soccer in high school. Soccer was my school's biggest sport, arguably. And just seeing those players and have that dream to make it to the professional level. Major League Soccer is that outlet for them. And that's the goal for them. Yes, obviously, you want to play for the Man United, Barca, but also just being able to play for your local club and root for your local club is what draws me to the sport. Are you confident that the uh, 
the Super Draft will maintain its its importance uh, moving forward as we go into a a, a new decade of uh, where the game seems to be changing, this league seems to be changing. That there'll always be a place for the Super Draft. Hey man, as long as there are great players coming out of it every year, there has to be a super draft. Sure, teams are starting to trade their picks away and stuff. And I honestly find, I think they're wrong for doing that, but that's okay. That's a different thing. But as long as there's many teams that are still building their squads based on the super draft, it's going to be a thing. And let's say they eliminate the super draft and teams could side any NCAA players. I think we're going to see full squads of NCAA players that will actually qualify for the playoffs in MLS. It's to keep the game fair. I mean, if you want to get rid of the super draft, you have to get rid of the salary cap and all of that, because it's part of what makes MLS like a balanced league. And some teams go that route and they've, they've bore fruit from it. You know, some go through the Academy, some go through signing players like LAFC in South America, which has paid, paved the way for them in a big way. So Eli, this has been fantastic. So where can we, where can we see, I know this week in MLS uh, is going great for you and the 110 football team will, will, we know what Vince is over there and we, we keep in touch and uh, we may have a shared space here, but school first for you, correct? In the meantime, school first, yes, yeah, school first, but also I feel that like when I'm constantly doing work or something, I'm doing better overall at everything. If I'm not doing anything at all, then I'm doing worse in school. So the the more <laughs> projects I work on, the better I do in school as well. Um, but anyways, yeah, definitely follow me at This Week in MLS on Instagram, 110 Football Show on YouTube. I've also just launched a YouTube channel. I'm Eli Lesser this week in MLS because coming in February, I'm going to be doing the This Week in MLS show, which will be a 22 minute YouTube show and then a full length podcast where I bring on a young MLS player every week, um, most likely a lot of the players from this draft. And we talk about that type of stuff and we it's going to be an offbeat type of show, um, but on the 110 football show uh, this year, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. I'll be doing an Andy Rooney type style of. How do you know about Andy Rooney? You're too young to know about Andy Rooney. Well, that's what they told me. They told me <laughs> I'm doing an Andy Rooney type style of rant, maybe Stephen A, but I'll be ranting about some sort of topic in Major League Soccer. I'm kind of that relief from all the LAFC talk, but it's going to be a really fun show. So make sure you uh, you subscribe. I love Andy Rooney because he's like me. He's like an old guy who complains about stuff. Oh, why are these kids not in school? Hey, but real quick before we, we part ways. It's a, just for young, young men and women who are looking to get into this profession. You're obviously going to new houses is, is going to open a lot of doors for you and show you new ways and get better at your craft. But the self-starting is enormous. So, I mean, what is the key? Because you're going to go to school there, but you already have an Instagram show. You have a YouTube, you have a podcast you're doing. How important is it to learn all those things, the editing, uh, the production side, where you're going to call people to get them on your show? How important is it to do that before you even go to school uh, to set yourself in the best possible position? Um, first of all, in terms of like the, the content side, it's all about being consistent. You got to post, you, you can't take breaks really, or long breaks. You got to stick to the same times every week you do stuff and build a routine. Um, my favorite part about going to Newhouse isn't necessarily the experience of learning, um, but meet the other students that are like-minded individuals um, that have certain skills that I could pick from to create a team. Um, that's been my favorite part of being at Newhouse is working with the other students on certain projects. But in general, um, it's very important to be able to do it all. 
I'm sure as you've learned in your career, you can't just be good in front of a camera. You have to know how to edit. You have to know how to set up your own equipment and all that stuff. And that's why I'm very thankful um, for my new house education because that's what I've been learning in classes. It hasn't been all about being in front of the camera, but it's been about um, lighting your camera correctly and fixing audio and using Premiere. I started making my videos after I learned how to use Premiere in class. Is that the go-to editing? Because my son, he's, he's 11, he wants to do stuff. Not soccer so much, but Premiere Pro is the best one to do, correct? Yeah, it's the most common, I think, in terms of like quality work. And um, there are many of different ones. There's even more high quality ones, but those are like way too complicated. Um, for yeah, we don't want complicated. No, <laughs> Premiere, Premiere is a great one. And even iMovie works, as long as you, you figure out how to cut properly and you could adjust your audio, anything could really work. Um, I just, I learned how to use Premiere in school. So that's what I started to use. Um, and it could, it could be a pain sometimes. It could crash on you, but at the same time, like you're gonna produce great stuff. Well, Eli, we're, we're proud of you as our LAFC family for these young, these, these young artists that are, are emerging like yourself and Connor Colopsis and Jerry Reynoso at 110 Football and Blake who does LAFC Central to see uh, young people take the bull by the horns and cre create their own path. It's, it's, it makes me very proud and it's been great to be able to share some time with you. We look forward to sharing some time with you at the stadium as well very soon. And thanks for joining us, man. This was, uh, this was really good. I learned a lot because I, we all got to learn a little bit more about the college game. Absolutely. Thank you guys um, so much for having me. This was an honor. All right, Eli. Eli Lesser, this week in MLS. Best of luck at university. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Inside LAFC. We will be here all the way to the beginning of the season, and then it'll get really good because we'll be talking about actual games. We'll see you very soon. Thank you again. Mm -hmm.